Nothing I enjoy more than being a walking contradiction. Now I'm an atheist with a guilty conscience. You are going to be editing overtime this week. Welcome to How We Saw It Podcast. This week we talk about the works of Quentin Tarantino. I am Mike, and as always, the Mr. White to my Mr. Orange. Royale with cheese to my quarter pounder, Aaron! What's happening, everybody? Hey, if you dig what we're doing, and we hope that you do, please leave us a review. And then come over to our Facebook group and hang out. We release all of our episode info there. And if you'd like to check out my blog where I talk about politics, go to thevoiceinbetween.wordpress.com. I hope everyone out there had a great Memorial Day weekend, however you celebrate it, be it cookout, shopping, or whatever. And if you shop... So our audio cuts right here, but what Mike actually said was how much he loves customers that shop at his place of employment on holidays. <laughs> anyway, how what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I think we're going to have like a couple people come over tomorrow and we're going to grill outside and that's it though. Like I don't I don't shop. I don't I don't do anything crazy. That's Mine, I work. <laughs> yeah. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, What's Keeping You Sane? What kept you sane this week? Well, it wasn't a super exciting week, but uh, let's see. We're recording this on Sunday, so it is 545. Like four hours ago, I saw John Wick 3. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, it was every bit the over-the-top action-y goodness that you just love. Uh, it looked great. The soundtrack is fantastic. Like, it's got that, like, real, like, heavy kind of techno-type soundtrack. But then they intersperse, like, one of the action sequences, like, this, like, really major fight had, like, classical music <laughs> on it. And it was just... It was gorgeous to watch. Like it was just, it's so much fun. Uh, I know, like we 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 took we took the boy to see it. Uh, we binged him on John Wick one and two uh, before, obviously, so that he would know who people were and what was going on. Uh, we did. We skipped the uh, we skipped the dog scene in the first <laughs> one. Um, like it, it came up. Like we didn't start it that way. We were like, all right, here we go, John Wick. And then I had that moment of like. Oh fuck that scene. I forgot about that scene. How did I forget about that goddamn scene? <laughs> um so we like stopped the movie and I looked up to see like what actual time code you need to go to to like start the movie without any of that bullshit. Mm. Uh and so we watched it from past the dog. Uh I, it works. Like they give you an overview obviously. Like everybody in that movie tells you why John Wick is coming. Uh so you know that you 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 know something bad happened to the dog. Could you just now you don't have to see it. <laughs> like it makes it much e much easier to deal with not having to see it. Um, and without spoiling anything, I will say that in John Wick three, uh, there are dogs and they get they get revenge for for that for that poor dog in the first one. Mm. Like like you know <laughs> dogs dogs came together and they they. They took some people out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I definitely think you should like skip the skip the the, the first dog scene and watch those movies because I think you'll love them. Um, mm. The Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> I'm not going to go any on any long winded fucking tear about it. Um, 
like I know on the last episode you were like, I hope everybody's, you know, I hope it turns out great. Uh, so uh, I don't know if, how to tell you if you were right or wrong, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest. Like, it was a finale. Mm. Um, there's no Game of Thrones on tonight. Uh, it it was better. The finale was better than the three episodes before it. Oh, that's good. Um, but apparently I'm kind of in the minority on that. Like, I didn't mind the 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 sort of like political ending that it got like i'm not gonna go i don't want to go into like details or anything mm-hmm. um i'm sure anybody that wants to see it at this point has fucking seen it i just i don't remember names we've established that i don't remember any goddamn names on this show in previous episodes and i don't want to look that dumb um <laughs> by not knowing who who's who um i will say that they absolutely left stuff set up for their spinoff shows uh depending on what those shows are uh i guess my biggest gripe over the whole series would be that okay since since the first season you've been telling me that winter is coming okay so winter is coming the night king is coming and like over the course of those seasons like they just they built up what a just an imposing threatening badass he was he killed a dragon for fuck's sake like with his hand damn like he threw like a a spear and it killed the dragon like like that was like you know that's a major moment Hmm. uh and then to have him like you know two episodes before the finale basically just uh well he kind of rolls in and does you know not really much of anything like they wiped out everybody and then he just gets shanked, basically. Darth like he gets Mauled. like prison. Yeah, <laughs> he gets Darth Maul. That's a perfect example for like, oh my god, I didn't even think about that. And they got the same head too. Um, this awesome villain, and just right, like winter is coming, but it's not going to do much. Like, why didn't you just tell me like I don't know, like light dusting coming? Because that's kind of how it felt. It's going to be an inconvenience. Yeah, like, don't bother with the bread and milk. It's not the end of the world. Allow for um, longer travel times. <laughs> yeah, that, that's basically it. You may have to brush off your car. Brush. <laughs> um, with your hand is probably fun. It was just, I don't know. Like, the season on a whole was a letdown. I, I won't say I was dissatisfied with the finale, because I wasn't. Um, but the season as a whole was a letdown and then to find out like you know if internet rumors are true hbo asked if they wanted to make like 10 seasons so that they could flesh everything out and they said no uh and apparently it was because they wanted to go make star wars money um (laughs) and if this is the way they're gonna rush through like what was a juggernaut of a franchise i am concerned about what they will do with star wars Mm. i'm not saying they're not talented because obviously the previous seasons of Game of Thrones would state otherwise. Uh, I, I just, I am worried about what they, will they, will they phone it in just because like now they figure they can get away with it. Right. So that's the, that's my concern with that. Uh, and I got to do my Pluto TV. Plug. <laughs> uh, so uh I, at what will come to a shock to no one i was watching a bunch of unsolved mysteries today on mm. pluto tv uh <laughs> uh 
I think like they're making new ones, right? Like I had heard that they're going to make new episodes. Hmm. Or something along that yeah, line, I heard that which, too. which, yeah, I think on every new episode, they should do some form of follow-up from an old episode. Right. So you could because, that yeah, back. I want to know like how that <laughs> stuff turned out. <laughs> You know, that show was basically like the the murder porn of the early 90s. Like, everybody talks about how, like, oh, well, you know, like, forensic people are watching all forensic files and, oh, it's all true crime and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's, that's not new. That's not new. Unsolved Mysteries was tapping into that market, like, ages ago. Like, they were hitting on every bit of paranoia you could possibly find. Like, you didn't know if you were going to get kidnapped by aliens. You didn't know if some dude was going to break into your house and kill you. You didn't know if you were going to get kidnapped. Maybe there's a fucking ghost. Like, it, it really could go any any way, you know, as a watcher of Unsolved Mysteries. Like, mm. something, something awful was coming for you. <laughs> and Robert Stack was going to talk about it. That's you were going to be good TV. I guess I'm going to die. I want Robert Stack to talk about it. Right, but not now because he's he's gone. Like they would have to, like you know, they would have to do like that shit they do with concerts now, where they do like the hologram. <laughs> so you'd get the like you'd you'd die spectacularly, but you'd only get like the Robert Stack hologram. Have a, which that's, have a Tupac hologram too. Yeah, like I feel like if you're gonna pick a hologram, go with the Tupac over the Robert <laughs> Stack. Like it's certainly gonna be more entertaining. Did I say Tupac? You probably did, but you're white. Oh, jeez, so. wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> Next, you're going to talk about how the mayonnaise is too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, that's what kept me sane. <laughs> what kept you sane? I guess it's not really sane, but I well, I binged the three episodes of Chernobyl. It's not, What'd you think? It's really good. I don't know why New York yeah. Times ripped it apart. Did they? I didn't read anything about. I don't generally read. Right. Them. I just. I just found that. I was like, I was a little surprised that they ripped it apart. But they must be the only ones. Mm. Well, it was written by the dude who did like superhero movie, uh, Hangover oh. Two. <laughs> so I don't. So the bar was low, I <laughs> yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> What's Zadie? We're gonna see Zach Gazalkanakis as a firefighter or something in there, getting yeah, exactly. poison. He falls out of the fucking helicopter wackily. <laughs> Comes running out holding a reactor core like. Ah! <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and, uh, after that, I went garage sailing. Didn't find anything, but it was nice to travel nope. around with the wife and dog. But I couldn't find anything I wanted. I was looking for specific things like. Yeah. Some retro computers or games or something. But Right. And everyone just selling their Chinsky stuff. Yeah, it's everybody selling their garbage, pretty much. <laughs> no gems. Just take our junk and throw it out at your house. Though if you were, like, trying to build a man cave, one place was selling a bunch of, like, the old bar beer signs and stuff like that. Oh, no kidding. Those are pretty cool, but... Yeah, I am just trashy enough to like those. Mm. That is true. Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> yeah, other than that, basically... Yeah, and then when we were going to garage sailing, there was one in the paper. It says, hey, we've got all this stuff. We got fishing stuff, sporting goods, and video games and retro computer parts. So that's like, that was the main reason I wanted to go. 
right? Punch, yeah, that's like the beacon of light to you. Yeah, so we punch in the GPS address, you know. Yeah. And you know the area I live in. It's taking me to, well, my wife's driving in her little rinky-dinky car. It's taking me to down this road, and then we take another right, and then we take another left, and then another right, and eventually we're like floating down a river because we had to, to uh, bribe the local Indian guide to <laughs> us down the river. And we get onto this one-lane logging road that hasn't been used in, I don't know, 20 years. Get out! Yeah. Holy shit! And it's like room enough for one carriage, not a car, a carriage to get right. down. Like if somebody was coming the other way, you were fucked. Yeah, it was, we were going to have to duel to see who could get down. Yeah, first. you were going to have to joust out the driver's side window. So yeah, we get down there and, you know, her car's bottomed out and we've had to, right. we're calling a helicopter to get it out of there. <laughs> and we finally find the place and it's like got nothing really yeah like did they even have anything that like you could have feasibly wanted and just didn't get uh a fishing net <laughs> but I so have, no yeah. no is what you're telling me <laughs> like, that fucking sucks yeah i bet it was a fun ride back oh yeah with my wife glaring at me the whole way yeah, yeah, because that was your fucking idea. Did you look at the road? And she's like, "No, I'm just glaring at you." There's no point looking at the road. Those <laughs> potholes are just going to take you where they take. There you. is no road. <laughs> You're blazing trail, man. Hot take. Hot take. So the person of our topic today has had a share of incidents and carries a little bit of a reputation. That can be off-putting to a lot of people who would consume his art otherwise. So my question to you, Aaron, is when it comes to the artists and their art, do we separate it? As a society, do we need to suffer the artist to enjoy the art? Or should we cut off those artists that commit heinous acts? You know, I'm talking about like people like, uh, well, neither of us are fans of them, but like Woody Allen and Robo Plants here, big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Johnny Depp was under a lot of uh, fire for that. Yeah, he was under scrutiny. You know, like I'm talking about like that. And so, how how do we separate? Do we separate it? Ah, uh, I mean, I think to a certain extent you have to a little bit, but I think it depends on what they did. Like, you know, O.J. Simpson murdered two people. I'm not out like looking to hang out with him, like. You know, I'm not I'm not wondering when OJ's showing up for a fucking signing somewhere. <laughs> um and I don't think you need to suffer it with Roman Polanski. Um I don't think you'd need to suffer it with Woody Allen. I think these are two people that have proven themselves to be like absolutely reprehensible. Mm. Um but I think there's an element every now and then where you you, you have to. Like we all knew Michael Jackson was a creepy dude. Right. right. Uh, people still listen to his fucking music like, like it's and I'm not saying like you're wrong for doing it. Like sometimes, sometimes you have to separate the art from the artist, because if you don't, what are you going to watch? What are you going to listen to? Like, there's nothing like I, I've managed to kind of help myself out by telling myself going in that everybody is awful somewhere along the line. And I just don't know how, <laughs> like if, if something bad comes out, I shouldn't be surprised because this is simply how it goes. Um, except Tom but Hanks. I'll, I'll be the, except Tom Hanks. If something bad comes out about Tom Hanks or, or even Keanu Reeves, who seems like a genuinely nice dude. We burn this place um, down. 
Yeah, like I, I will take a torch to fucking everything if Hanks is is if Hanks is proven to be awful. Um, that's just not acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, there will be not there will be no goodness left in them. He's playing Mister Rogers for Christ's sake. Like you can't sully in any way, shape, or form now. Like Tom has to die pristine. Mm-hmm. Like if it comes out after he's dead, like I guess we could just let it go. Um, you know, because it doesn't matter; he's fucking dead. Um, but I think in certain instances, it's perfectly okay to cut people the fuck off. Um, R. Kelly, right? right. Like, I, I feel like we can all agree that R. Kelly is, uh, is ready to be, ready to be cut off. Uh, I think we can all probably agree that Chris Brown is ready to be fucking cut off. Um, but you're always going to have people that for some unknown reason, stand up for people like that. Like there's, Plenty of people defending R. Kelly, plenty of people defending, you know, I'm talking on social media. Like, I don't think anybody would put their face on camera and defend either one of those. Um, That's A. Thomas 1978 on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but there's plenty of people defending Chris Brown, and he's still commenting on stuff that Rihanna puts up on Instagram like a creeper. Like, like, way to be like, like, if, if you knew... Let's just say hypothetically, you knew two people that were in a relationship and one of them beat the shit out of the other one. And, you know, obviously the the guy beats up the girl uh, and then they split up and, and, and he still kind of shows up now and then to like interject himself into stuff that she's doing. You would call the cops like they would not be OK. You would just call the fucking cops because that's awful and you're being abusive in other ways. Like, it's just not cool. Um, so yeah, like I think we got to keep, uh, we got to keep a perspective on what it is the person did and then go based on that. I think it's trying to do like blank. If you were just going to be like, I'm fucking cutting off everybody that's ever done said or, or thought anything that might even be like the slightest bit, not okay. Uh, you got nothing to listen to. You can't listen to no classical. Like you can't listen like nothing. There's no music. You, you have no music. Uh, I hope you enjoy silence. Mm. So this has always been, it's, this is recently, it's unfortunate. Mm. This has recently been a, a problem for me. I've, I've tried to take it in my mind and figure it out because there's a lot of stuff coming out about people that I do enjoy and right. there are and stuff. And it's hard to grasp it in my mind. And I did find a quote by, I, I didn't realize that this has been a 20th century on argument and uh, point of contention in philosophy. Mm. And probably we've heard, I've heard this before, but I attribute it to this topic. But Roland Barthes wrote, the author is dead. And by that, he's arguing that once the art is created, the artist no longer owns it. It's the consumers. So thus, it's remade anew every time it's consumed. So it doesn't belong to the author. There's You completely separate the author from it. Huh. Which is a great and total um, idea, especially when we're talking about, like, I enjoy H.P. Lovecraft, that he was a xenophobe and racist. He's, yeah, he's a horrible dude. Yeah. But he does not make money off of it. 
and it because he's dead <laughs> and he stands for no financial gain for me consuming it so is that now the definitive answer is once the artist has done something heinous enough to do we no longer financially support him but then the dual mind is say say tom hanks was bad well, I'm using him as an example because I can't think of anybody who is concrete, but say he was. Yeah. Could you still enjoy Big or Saving Private Ryan that was done before you knew about it? We're no one way saying that Tom I... Hanks is bad. I was just using him as an example. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because he's not. <laughs> Tom is fine. Um, it makes it difficult. I think it would. Uh, I Not that the two are comparable, but... Uh, you know, after Mel Gibson showed right, that's the example it, it I should have used. I'm sorry. Yeah, it made it difficult to go back and watch some of his older stuff, which was rough for me because, like, I love the Mad Max movies, mm. and I like you know the first three Lethal Weapon movies and Braveheart, and there were movies that he did that were you know important to me as movies. Uh, it made it really fucking difficult to even look at him after all that stuff came mm. out. You know, because you're, you're he's saying something funny as Riggs in Lethal Weapon, but at the same time, you're listening to him, like, you know, yell abusively at his, like, wife or girlfriend or whatever it was, or or say something racist to a cop. Like, it, it, it makes it difficult. Mm. Um, I think it's, I think that's why it's so hard to separate art from artists, because when you have a face to put it, put to it, it it, it 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 like humanizes it right like you can get disappointed in somebody if you know what they look like right. but if it was just a name and you could never you know like if you like uh use a musician as an example somebody who doesn't tour and it, say they didn't tour and were completely like a recluse they just released albums mm. right uh if you found out something horrible about that person it would be harder to get as angry about it because you have no humanizing characteristics about right. it I think you'd find that it'd be like getting mad if the gorillas were bad people mm, or like, like they're cartoons. They're not real people. Authors like. or you could say like that, like Orson Scott card. It's hard to get mad about him because I don't have a face to him. You know, even though he's done some, he's stood for some outlandish bad stuff, but I still enjoy yeah. his work. You can't personalize it because you don't know anything else yeah. about him. I think that's how artists got away with it for so mm. long because there was no access. We didn't have any access to these people. Well, it's Roland Barthes. I didn't know what they uh, did. Quotes from 1967 and the whole movement of separating the author from the artist comes from the late, uh, the early 20th century, late 19th century critics, huh. literary critics, because huh. it became a movement of thought that pure art is where you, where the artist is able to separate itself from art. So it's, I guess we live in a day and age where we don't have that luxury anymore. Yeah, I think so. It's in our face constantly, and these people are in our face constantly. So we have to make the moral decision do we want to continue to support them? Right. But is death the line? You know, because. I mean, I guess, I guess again, it depends on who it is, like, or what they did, rather. Not who it is. It shouldn't matter who it is. Obviously. Like because Michael um, Jackson's but, estate certainly didn't. But did they? Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
enable him. So, right. know, it's, yeah, it's this conundrum where we have to each individually decide. I guess we need to rebel against the society and capitalist type system that allows these people to thrive continually. Yeah. I mean, I think if I think I are, I think inherently artists are damaged in mm. some way, be they, be them, be they actors, musicians, writers, painters, whatever it is. Like I think artistic people to a certain extent are it, the art is an extension of your emotions. Mm. And I think so artists are inherently damaged people. Like, do you know any, like we know a lot of people that w- you would consider like artists, I'm mm. sure. Do you can do you consider any of them to be like you know, completely one hundred percent with it? <laughs> I guess it's you have to have something broke. Yeah, you have to. It gives you that. It gives you the the the, the drive to to create. Which is why I've kind of always said that you know, just expect that every one of them is somewhere along the lines a monster. Mm. <laughs> you have to. It's unfair. It's honestly unfair to assume that anyone is wholesome. Right, I mean, like I know we're, we're joking about Hanks, but I'm sure he's done right. something that he's not proud and of. I, you know, I'm not putting it on like Harvey Weinstein level, but like, I mean, you and well, not I, I'm perfect, but you have <laughs> your history. I'm sure you're don't want to come to the light of the day on this podcast, you know? Yeah, I ain't so. perfect. I mean, if the ratings for us start to slag, and I mean, then I guess I'll dig some stuff up and make it a little right. juicier. But you know, I can be bought. <laughs> so, which is funny, we've talked about how most artists are damaged, but from what I've researched on Quentin Tarantino, he had a pretty okay childhood, and he had an actual stepfather who spent time with him, and that's where he gets his love for money from. So (laughs) it's uh, a little weird to see his creative mind come out, but he dropped out of high school and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to hand the episode over to you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So obviously we're talking about Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Like with all of our episodes, we're not going to do a big history dump. I assume if you, I'm assuming if you're listening, you, uh, you have an idea who Quentin Tarantino is. Like you've probably seen a movie or are vehemently against everything he's, he is. Uh, Cause that seems to be the only middle ground. I don't know any sort of Tarantino <laughs> fans. You either love him or you just like, you spit on the ground when his name gets mentioned. Um, he's kind of an, like, I guess we might as well just start with this shit first. Uh, he's an odd bird. Like he's, he's clearly got a foot fetish. Uh, I think anybody that's watched more than 30 seconds of two of his movies would be able to tell you. That he has some kind of fucking foot fetish. Um, I it, it's always kind of creeped me out. I can't imagine how you must sit through <laughs> those movies, given your giant aversion to feet. I can't like a Tarantino marathon must be like a <laughs> snuff film for you. <laughs> um. So yeah, all right. So he's not he's not great. Um, he's. Uh, pushed actors and actresses farther than he should. I would probably wager that he's pushed actresses more. Uh, the scene in Kill Bill where Gogo has the chain mm. around her neck, uh, the person pulling on that chain yeah. is Tarantino. Yeah. 
and the reason she looks like her eyes are about to bug out of her head is because he was pulling it that goddamn hard. Um, which, what the fuck? Uh, same thing with uh, Diane Kruger in oh Inglorious Bastards. Uh, when she gets choked to death in that film room, mm-hmm. that's him doing that. He's choking a woman. Like, I can understand being a director and wanting to get your shot. I use my air quotes there. Um, there is a there is a fucking line, and and that to me borders on like seriously. Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but I don't uh, want to get this when we talk about it. Yeah. But that scene in that movie was so inglorious. Which one you're talking about? When okay, choking her. It's so out of place yeah. because it's a very realistic depiction of violence. Whereas the rest of the movie is over, isn't the it? Top. It's it's yeah. cartoony a little bit. It's a very yeah. exploitation. Like that was very yeah type violence. And then I almost. And why did it like? Why did it have to be him? Like you feel like you hear that story, and your your initial reaction is like, of right. course he did it. But why? Like, what is it about him that you look at and you think like? Because <laughs> there's probably four dead women in his like closet he, right now. <laughs> I I know. He had a normal childhood. No, he didn't. We just didn't hear about the not normal stuff. Um, and then the 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 car crash from Kill Bill yeah, with Uma Thurman, where she was driving the. I I didn't hear about that story until. I don't know, six, six, eight months ago or something. It popped up when all the shit was going on with Harvey Weinstein. Um, it came forward because obviously Miramax did a fuck ton of Tarantino movies. Um, so, so they kind of go hand in hand, which ugh, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about what, uh, what a gross party with Harvey Weinstein and Quentin Tarantino <laughs> feasibly looked like. Uh, but yeah, but he, you know, she crashed that car and got injured and he had promised her that everything was going to be fine. They were best friends. Like he was like, she was like his muse. Like they wrote kill bill together. They don't even speak now because of this. Like that to me is just crazy. Like was that, was that one fucking shot worth mm-hmm. your best friend? Like I I feel like he has no line. I feel like his only love is film and the actors and actresses are just props to get that shit out there that that that's the kind of vibe i get from him that he's of that like um kubrick type director or hitchcock type Mm -hmm. director hitchcock they're just tools like you said and these these they're lauded i mean it really tied into the hot take I took of you for you is yeah can it's just oh okay. <laughs> yeah it's hard yeah. it's really hard just talking just talking about those two scenes of fucking mm-hmm. strangulation makes right. it difficult like you can watch those scenes and you can see like mm-hmm. he's choking them. There's faking it. Like I've seen enough horror movies to know when somebody is faking being strangled. Like neither of those women were faking it. Like I, I, I would never judge it because I wasn't on the set, but I would be curious as to how much, how much fear was in that room, you know, like from, from, from those women, like I would want to know, like how afraid were you or were you at all? Like, you know, it feels like, 
one of those things like you could you could tell everything you needed to know about Tarantino from the answers yeah. that they gave, you know. Um all right, so there we go. All right, we got the we got the Quentin Tarantino's of fucking creepazoid <laughs> out of the way. Uh and now we can get into the movie portion though. <laughs> um yeah, I felt like it was a good idea that we got that nasty shit out the way first. Right. You know, just to not drag the episode down at the end. Uh, it'll linger over the room, but, you know, do with it what you will. <laughs> All right. So we'll lay the movies out right now. You've got Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, Inglorious Bastards, Death Proof, Django Unchained, and The Hateful Eight. I didn't skip any. Did oh, uh, he wrote True But Romance. Well, wrote- yes. And he also wrote Natural Born Killers. Yeah, and he also wrote from Dust and Till Dawn. He directed a, or helped the him. final segment of Four Rooms. Right, that's right, that's right. Which I have not watched, but I, I'm aware that it's there. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. So out of those, you know, out of those ones that we just listed, what are your, what are your, like? I know you have like a love hate with Tarantino, so I figured I would just say what are your faves and then let you go. Um, actually, it's surprising to a lot, a lot of people. I think to you, especially, is Jackie Brown's my favorite. Yeah, I I love Pam Greer. I love the exploitation films. She she, her and Richard Roundtree are uh, basically what black exploitation was. Yeah, you know? yep. and I just love her acting, and I love her as a character in all her movies. She is really good. I love it. So I just loved I I watched that at a time like I I used to hate Tarantino films. Right. Because I, I just did. It was constantly, especially the Pulp Fiction constantly being quoted at me and all this crap like people are smart, especially the coffee scene. I hate the coffee scene of that movie. <laughs> right. I've heard it so many times. It's like you're not clever quoting that movie. Jesus Christ, we've all heard Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. All of us. It's all of us. <laughs> and not to de- not to sidetrack, but you're absolutely right because Pulp Fiction was like a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. and and people quoted it like um uh, anybody out there that's a little bit younger than us, you know how you roll your eyes when people quote Anchorman? Or Napoleon This Dynamite. is how or Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> this is how I felt when no one would stop quoting Pulp Fiction. Mm. And to be to be completely honest, I did not like the movie when I first saw it. I hated Pulp Fiction when I first saw it. It wasn't until like years later that I liked it. Yeah, same here. But anyway, yeah. back back to yeah. you. But yeah, <laughs> I think Diago Unchained. Diago Unchained. I can't pronounce it. Django. 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 <laughs> Iago, that's a totally I different movie. My wife was talking about Aladdin the other day. I blame, I blame oh. that. But yeah, that that was a good one. And Kill Bill Volume One, I liked better than two. Yeah, yeah. But I think all those films have something in common. They're exploitation films at the core. Yes. And I think I think it was uh, Siskel's Gene Siskel said it that he's able to take a genre that movies come along every now and then that take a stale genre and 
revitalize it and he's able to yeah like turn it on a yeah, zero and he's been able to do that with his movies i mean i think his credit is being able to pick actors casting is his credit you know pulp fiction he picked um john travolta from because he loved the, that movie the blowout yeah and he revitalized that man's career even though yeah john travolta had no career like I like something like anybody like that that's like fairly young listening to this like they they think of John Travolta as like that that old actor now that doesn't really have any career but we were around when he first didn't have mm. one like like we were there for like you know when who the fuck was John Travolta became like the new it guy <laughs> again like all thanks to Quentin Tarantino uh and I don't know if I love him or hate him for that because I don't particularly think Travolta is all that good of an actor. Mm. Um, so I can only take him in small increments. And after that movie, he was in all the increments. It was like you couldn't couldn't walk five feet without stepping on a John Travolta movie. <laughs> um, so what... Like, I know you don't really dig on Pulp Fiction. Um, what is it about that movie that, that really just turned you off? Aside from like, you know, the, the people that became the fan base. Mm. Really, I think it was just that fact alone. When you get right down okay. to it, I think it's That's it's fair. a snapshot of that time period. And yes. yes I'm is. not sure it fully aged well with the times. Like, I think... I don't know if any of his movies will age well when you get right down to it. I don't think they already don't like there's tons of here's the thing with 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 what I've noticed with Tarantino movies is that he does a lot of problematic shit in his in his movies. Um, and I feel like for some reason, because he's friends with Sarah worked with Samuel L. Jackson, he thinks it's OK for him mm. to do it. Like that's my basis is that he worked with Sam Jackson. So he feels like it's OK. <laughs> That he, he that he's that guy because I've always now now you can tell me if I'm wrong about this but I had always heard the like the little factoid about Pulp Fiction that Quentin Tarantino was supposed to play the Eric Stoles mm. part the drug dealer and Eric Stoles was supposed to play uh the, the where they bring the guy in the car you know when the wolf shows up and everything um and I had always heard that Tarantino switched the parts. The, you know, I, I would never say it was because he wanted to use the N-word, but obviously he ended up using it a whole bunch. Uh, which, and that's the thing. I don't get where he thinks it's okay for him to use right. it. Now, for something like Django, Django's a period right. piece. Right. Uh, there's no getting around it with Django. Do I like listening to Leonardo DiCaprio say that? No, I don't like listening to Leonardo DiCaprio do anything, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, I don't like Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I think he's in good movies with people that are better than him. It's the same career that Tom Cruise has. Um, well, the thing about Jackie Brown I, was Spike Lee actually wrote an article. I can't remember what newspaper, but he wrote an opinion piece about how disappointed he was in it because of the liberal use of the N-word. Right. Like I feel as a as a as a white guy, Tarantino shouldn't be writing that shit. Right. Like, was it was it the way people spoke in the time period that Django took place? Yes, of course it was. 
But there have been plenty of period pieces made about that time frame, and they don't all use that word incessantly. Hmm. Like, you can still give me realism and show me what that era was like without flaunting the fact that you think you can say that. Right. Like, it's, he, he honestly acts like he thinks it's cool that he says it. Like, he's just, oh, too cool, man. Like, like I, I do a horrible Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> so I figure, like, if you want a Tarantino, every, everything will be like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> After everything I say, I'll say okay. Um, but yeah, he thinks, he's, he thinks he's, like, hot shit and can get away with saying stuff like that. So, no, I don't think his stuff is going to age well. I think film aficionados... Uh, we'll like Tarantino. We'll always like Tarantino. It'll be like Polanski movies. Right. You know? Um, they're always somebody's always gonna like them. Kubrick uh, movies. Kubrick movies. Yeah, like the real art house like type. You know, directors, directors. I think that is the class that he will go in. Um, yeah, it'll it'll be if you're a film student. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like I think some of them will age better than others. Um, like I think obviously Kill Bill would age better than like you know. Uh, Pulp Fiction, probably, you know, mm. or, or or Jackie Brown. Um, Glorious Bastards will probably, yeah, well I, I think I'm so because we don't we don't really give, yeah, like it's funny, and I don't think anybody gives a sh- I don't think anybody gives a shit now or will give a shit at any point in time uh, if Nazis die horribly <laughs> in a movie. If Hitler if Hitler blows up in a wacky scenario, like I think we're all still going to be like, yeah, that that was fine. Well, that goes back to your thing about actors being commodities eli roth and the other dude almost died in that fire oh yeah that's right i'm uh i guess i'm a little upset that you know eli roth didn't get kind of (laughs) hurt it's like he's on the almost on the twilight zone level of yes yeah like he had he's so hot with getting his scene that he just doesn't fucking care um now let's see. All right, so we talked about Pulp Fiction. Dude, we're having such trouble separating. I know, I know. Artists on this episode. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> Whatever, we'll get around. We'll get around to it someday. All right, so we talked about Pulp Fiction. Uh, I don't like Jackie Brown, um, which is why you phrased it the way you did. Uh, and I was talking to Jen today, trying to figure out why it is that, like, for the most part, I like every other Tarantino movie. I don't love Hateful Eight, but whatever. Um, I was trying to figure out what the fuck is it about Jackie Brown that I don't like? Because it's not like, it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the shit with Pam Greer um, and the Bail Bondsman. I love Sam Jackson in that movie. I think my problem is I don't like Robert De Niro's character in the movie. He just felt like filler. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know really why the fuck he was there. Um and I don't particularly care for Bridget Fonda's character. Like I think she's just kind of bubble-headed and annoying. And I think there's yeah, such was, a big bunch definitely. of... Huh? Yeah, yeah I think there's just such a big bunch of, of scenes with, those, with them in them. I think it just kills the movie for me. Because yeah. when I'm watching the stuff at the end with the, the Pam Greer and like that whole thing, it's fucking great. Michael Keaton is fucking great. Like, I think we always forget that Michael Keaton is in that movie. Right. Um, yeah, he's great. Um, it's just, I think the, the De Niro and the Bridget Fonda thing kills the movie for me. Mm. It's the same reason I don't like the burbs, uh, because I hate Rick Dukeman. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the burbs because I don't like Rick Dukeman. 
Uh, everything else about that movie is is okay. I love Tom Hanks. He's funny. Fuck Rick Dukeman. I know he died, and I'm sorry, but I just like, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for Rick Dukeman. Um, he was like the poor man's John Candy. He was the poor man's John Candy. He was like great value John Candy. <laughs> um, you want name brand John Candy, or do you right? Want... You can't get name brand John Candy anymore. Um, all right, so we talked about Jackie Brown. Uh, Kill Bill. Kill Bill is my favorite. Mm. Probably I like one more than two, but two does have all the stuff with Pi May, and uh, that's amazing. Right. And killing Carradine is always nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and L Driver getting off. Like, Daryl Hannah's character was so obnoxious in that movie that I just couldn't wait for her to go. Uh, my only gripe, I think, with any of the Kill Bill movies is um, that Lucy Liu went out too quick. I'm not I a know, fan of Lucy Liu. I know you're not a fan of Lucy Liu. I love Lucy Liu. <laughs> and Oren Ishii is probably one of my favorite characters in that movie. Uh, so when she went out, like, kind of right in the be not in the beginning, but like, you know what I mean? Like, when she went out as the bad guy in Kill Bill 1, I was kind of like, oh, come on, like really not Michael Madsen like that. Like he, he ranked higher than like, at least she did stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. Like one is the more actiony movie and two is like the thinking movie. Like it's like the revenge movie, but it's kind of like road trippy and like one feels like more of a direct Kung Fu movie. Right. Definitely. And two is that revenge yeah, like there's a I bit mean, the more things are reflected. Yeah. But... <laughs> but two is more plot heavy. Yeah. Well, the yeah there's so many Bill like sides. It's that same problem I had with what's called fiction because at the time Kill Bill was coming out, I was living with someone who was obsessed with it. And it was right. It was hard to enjoy it when someone's obsessing over it. Which is we're gonna Well, I remember I wasn't gonna see it and I asked you said you had seen it. And I was like, you know, do I see it? What do you think? And you were like, Yeah, it's okay. You were like and then you explained to me why, because you were living with somebody that played Tarantino on a loop, basically. I dug I dug the violence of it. I, I think that the like the grandiose, like mm. over the top violence worked for it. I personally enjoyed when it went to black and white in the movie. Right. I thought you didn't necessarily need the fucking gore. Uh, the Japanese the level of gore. <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite have to be anime level of gore. Um, and the anime sequence in that movie is great. Yeah. I, I love the anime sequence in that movie. Like when she says like whimper and then pulls the words back into her mouth. I fucking love that scene. It's so fantastic. <laughs> um, oh God. Like there's so much to talk about. Uh, what did you think of Inglorious Bastards? I oh. disliked it. Okay. The only good thing of it to me was Christopher Waltz or Christoph Waltz. Yep. Christoph Waltz, yeah. And basically, that's what everybody says. I mean, a lot of people love the movie, but he was the shining. Yeah, he's the he's the high spot. Yeah. And I will always laugh at the entire German army has heard of Hugo Stieglitz, because <laughs> uh, Hugo Stieglitz was a like a low budget spanish um horror actor <laughs> he did some like look him up on imdb hugo stiglitz and you will find some movies on there that no one should watch but you should absolutely watch <laughs> um 
like Nightmare City, Woo! or or uh, Tintorera. That's a fucking great shark movie. When people get like bit by the shark, they like fall apart. Like you can obviously, they looks like they're made of bread. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Death Proof? Because there, here's where we get into the like. I feel like Inglorious Bastards starts the divide where Tarantino people felt he was losing his steam a little bit. Mm. Um, and then Death Proof is just kind of an oddball. So what do you think of that movie? Um, I I didn't really like it. I, I didn't like Killer Mike or whatever his name was. Uh, mm. Stuntman Mike. Stuntman I, Mike. I yeah. love Kurt Russell, but I just didn't like him in that role. And it was slow. It was very slow. And it, it didn't feel like what it was trying to be. Like, it was trying to be a grindhouse film. Right. And it just wasn't. Like, it plotted. Like, no. the only thing grindhousey about it felt that grindhousey about it to me felt like when they did like the scene missing shit. Mm. Like, other than that, it could have just been a regular fucking. Right. There was definitely one that, that needed more of his signature violence. Yes, it was, and 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 I can't even believe I'm going to say this. Maybe like twenty extra minutes. Yeah, yeah like to flesh some things out yeah. a little bit. Like usually, I would be like, "God, can he please make a shorter movie?" <laughs> but you know, this time I'm saying <laughs> it's okay. Uh, what did you think of Django? Django is one of my favorites. Definitely. Okay. I think what we talked about him using actors, and I think. Uh, Jamie Foxx was in a rut where his he just wasn't getting the critical success anymore and yeah. in that role he was able to fully be himself again you know going back to his roots almost you know bad choice words yeah <laughs> no I, I yeah maybe yeah a little bit <laughs> um, I don't dislike the movie it is not one of my favorites um, I don't like Jamie Foxx all that much mm. like he just I, I get tired of him after a while. I like pretty much everything else about that movie. Uh, even DiCaprio, who I fucking hate. Uh, I still think he did a, a good job in the movie. And Jamie Foxx did too. Like, just because I don't like him doesn't mean he didn't do a good job. He did a fucking great job. Uh, and obviously owned that character enough that uh, when um, Seth MacFarlane made A Million Ways to Die in the West, he reprised the role for like a, like a <laughs> post credit scene. Like he, he popped up as Django. Um, so it, I, I will, wa- if Django was on, I'll watch it. Like, I don't, I don't flip past it. Uh, okay. So then the elephant in the room, then hateful eight, you know, it, I, I watched that. I've actually watched that one a couple of times recently and I didn't enjoy it on subsequent viewings. Okay. I think somehow the characters are screwed up. Like they aren't characters. They're they don't have the usual feel of living characters. To me, they felt more like just props for the story. And yeah, I know what you mean. They weren't. There was nothing compelling about the story either. You know, it was just it just plotted along and. Yeah, it was like there was no. Sake. Yeah, yep. And, it, and there's no, there's no set pieces to speak of. It's like the most of that movie takes place in one fucking room. I think it's really kind of everything that his detractors all 
put yeah. dialed yeah. up to 11 in one movie you know wordy dialogue so... and yeah. ultra violence and scenes that go nowhere dialogue that goes nowhere over the top director it was like three scenes. hours of tarantino explaining why he loves himself yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much and it it used the western backdrop without being a western i think it was trying to be a western but there was nothing yeah. about it there was nothing westerny about it other than the fact that it was like snowy and they were all wearing western it felt more like it almost felt like an adam sandler movie but you know where God, they yeah. bring all, he brings all his friends together for vacation yeah they all hang out because <laughs> that was like his greatest hits of actors there and it was it was you're right wow i didn't even think about that have you watched the netflix version of it no where they busted it into episodes i haven't but i've been thinking about it because i'd like to watch it again i would try that and uh that seems like the easy way to do it i think um all right so then like the last two that we mentioned there uh you might have been a little young when this movie came out. What was your what's your thoughts on Natural Born Killers? Like, were you were a little like young for when it first came out? Yeah, when it first came out, I was young. I I feel like it it captures the that time period really well, doesn't it? It's like a it's like a window of the nineties. And the thing is, though, like it's not. It was Oliver Stone who decided to make it that make it about media exploitation. Mm-hmm. And it really works for it. I think. I think it if, it was a, if Tarantino directed it, it would have been a. It would have missed. But I think. I, yeah, mm, it would have just been another serial killer. Yeah, it took movie. Oliver Stone's like. Yeah. His vision on that movie to do. Yeah, his kind of conspiracy theory vision. Like I think the fact that they added the the media aspect to the movie really actually makes the movie more mm. relevant today like it's still relevant now which you know how many movies made in 1990 something can you say that about really uh and from dust till dawn which which if we're calling it a tarantino movie it's my favorite he wrote it and robert rodriguez directed it and robert rodriguez directed it we could almost do an episode on him because he's i know we could probably do an episode on him too i could probably do an episode on dust till dawn I, i love that movie it's it's like my favorite vampire movie. It's one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, it's the movie that made me fall in love with George mm. Clooney. Holy shit, is he the coolest dude ever Selma in that movie? Hayek. Oh, um, that's, that's the, oh, God. She doesn't get naked, but that's probably more sexy than if she was naked. That, yeah. That's just... And then the, but the foot scene. <laughs> yeah, and then he ruins it, I know. like it's It's probably, hands down, one of the sexiest scenes ever filmed. <laughs> Like her dancing, and then he fucking ruins it. Like he just, he just, he Quentin Tarantino's the living shit out of it, uh, and it just kind of ends like, oh, um, and like it's like that movie is fucking quotable. Like I don't think that movie gets nearly as much credit as it deserves for being as quotable as it is. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen From Dust Till Dawn, uh, why? What are you What are you waiting on? Like it's campy and it's over the top and it's goofy and it's so much fun and go watch it and love it like we do. Uh, all right. So I know we've been droning on and on and on and on and on. This is probably dogs. could have been too fucking. I know we forgot fucking <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. God damn it. All right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I promise. Um, we got to talk about Tarantino soundtracks. Mm. 
because I, 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 I like to think that he actually builds his movies around That's the soundtrack in, in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. Like I've, op- I've often wondered if he has a soundtrack in place long before he has a movie right. in place. Um, so I'm just going to name off the movies and we'll, we'll, we'll go on the soundtracks. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. I can't pick a standout favorite from this soundtrack because I think it's all fucking good. Like that weird 60s and 70s, like, Stuck in the rock. Middle of like I just, on, I though. love it. <laughs> right? Oh my God. The fucking dancing with the ear. Here I am. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Um, it's a great soundtrack and a great movie. And oh God, I can't believe we didn't fucking talk about it. Uh, everything about that movie works for me. The dialogue, uh, the action, like it's just, as far as like heist movies go, it's damn near up there with like mm. some of the best, I would say. Um, and Tarantino acts in it and, you know, he dies quick. So it's not so bad. Like, you know, he, 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 he shows up and does dumb shit, uh, and says dumb shit. And then that's the end of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, for me, the standout tracks would be, uh, yeah, girl, you'll be a woman soon. The, the Neil Diamond cover. Yep. By urge overkill. Uh, son of a preacher man by dusty Springfield. Uh, Let's Stay Together by Al Green and Flowers on the Wall by the Statler Brothers. For me, those were like the real the real kind of standouts. Uh, Jackie Brown. I had to look this one up because I didn't watch a lot of Jackie Brown, obviously. Uh, Across 110th Street by Bobby Womack. Who Is He by Bill Withers. Tennessee Stud by Johnny Cash. And Didn't I Blow Your Mind by the Delphonics. Like, he's just like, I, I, I wish I could put together soundtracks the way he does. Like, Holy shit, it's like an art form into itself. Uh, Kill Bill. You got, I think, obviously, Bang Bang by Nancy, <laughs> Nancy Sinatra. Uh, About Her by Malcolm McLaren. Uh, that was your kind of your finale song. Uh, Woohoo by the Five Six Seven Eights. Like, you can't talk about that movie. Everybody knows that fucking song. Um, and I am going to mispronounce the ever living shit out of this song. Um, it is the song that plays at the end over the credits and oh god here we go i've been practicing it and i know i'm gonna fuck it uh malagueña salarosa by chingon why do why is it that white people feel the need to put on an accent when they say (laughs) words from like other countries like if i try to pronounce something like french like i automatically talk like i'm from france it's so dumb um (laughs) <laughs> the only thing the only thing that stuck out on Inglorious Bastards was the song Cat People by David Bowie. Uh everything else is kind of I don't want to call it incidental music because it feels like it's like diminishing by saying that. But like it's just shit, shit that I didn't know the name of, so it didn't stick out to me. Uh there was nothing that jumped out to me uh from the list of songs on Django, but I do definitely remember enjoying the soundtrack. Um I have no idea what music was in Hateful Eight. None. I don't even know if it had music. Did it have music? Right? Like, you just don't know. Um, the soundtrack from From Dust Till Dawn is also fucking crazy. Uh, it's amazing. And not that Quentin Tarantino had anything to do with it, but the soundtrack for Natural Born Killers was done mm-hmm. by Trent Reznor, and it's a pretty damn good soundtrack. Um, all right. So, uh, what genre do you think he should try? Like, is there anything left that you think he needs to dip his toe in? <laughs> No. Oh, that, well, that was can you even imagine um, never mind yeah there you go that was his no, i would like to see him do sci-fi i'd like to horror. see him do a horror oh sci-fi would... would be fun 
He's been talking uh, about doing a Star Trek, that. hasn't he? It's just, I think Star Trek has been a dialogue-heavy series. And the new movies aren't. Yes, and he's yes. a dialogue guy. So I think if he yeah. could tone it down to stay within the Star Trek parameters, it would be an awesome movie. Right, it could work. Yeah. I don't think he should direct it. I would like to see him do it. No, no, I don't think that would lend itself either. But I would definitely mm-hmm. like to see him write it. Um, I would like to. I don't consider right. Django a western, really, an and I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I would like to see him mm-hmm. do an actual western, like a like a throwback kind of western. I, would, I think I, that would. Be I would cool. like to see him do uh, what his vision for Django Django was was to have that black superhero western guy. I would like to see that right. done, like you said, in a western yeah. style, almost go spaghetti on it. I would love to see him do a spaghetti western. I think like it's absurd that he hasn't done one yet. Um, what do you think about like so? This will this will wrap us up then. So, what do you think about the new movie? Oh, the trailer for it is interesting. I I like I don't I don't like I I like our timing with this episode because of the controversy over right. the press conference. But, and the fact that, like, it's concentrating more on Roman Polanski than Sharon Tate. Okay. My concern with the movie is he'll quit in Tarantino the murders. And I don't want that for a semi-true story like this. Yes. You know, especially for such a tragedy and yeah. such a violent, gruesome death on her. Yeah, I really you know, hope I, he doesn't glorify Charles Manson. Like, I hope that it... I hope the ending shot's just them walking to the mansion or whatever. Yeah. Like, don't you show know. it. We know what happened. It's awful. And like you said, I, you run the risk of him Tarantinoing it up. Which is fine in something that's not based on specific history. Like, this is like, this is an event with, like, specific people and, like, a specific thing that fucking happened to those people. Like, there's no leeway. Right. It's it's okay to blow up Hitler because he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Sharon, Sharon Tate's, Tate's the enemy. victim. Yeah. It'll just yeah, be so hoping... it'll be five minutes of shots of her bloody feet. Right, right. Ugh. I know. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> or and then in like you'll find out fifteen years down the line that it'll be like, you know, I what I really wanted to do was, you know, have the baby's feet have the baby's feet sticking out too, you know. Okay, okay. That really sounded more like Woody Allen, um, but I guess all creepers kind of sound alike, I guess. I applaud. Thank you, thank you. Okay, okay, okay. God, with his giant head. Um, (laughs) So, that was our Quentin Tarantino episode. One that I would imagine that afterwards you and I are both going to think might have been a little bit more abbreviated than it could have been. Uh, mm. We probably could have gone on for for longer about other things, um, mm. but we spent a whole lot of time talking about how awful Quentin Tarantino is as a person, right. uh, which is good knowledge for everybody anyway. Uh, so, which what? So, which is great because next week we're going to be talking about a guy who is kind of a Quentin Tarantino. He's on that same side of the coin when it comes to filmmaking in Hollywood, mm. but. For all accounts of him, he is a very nice guy. Yeah, like total stand-up dude. Yeah, so next week we're doing Kevin Smith. And I think he's basically, like I said, the same side of the coin for filmmakers as Tarantino. He just does 
a different version. Yeah, of, he's just not as know. violent and direct as Tarantino. Right. So that's going to well, be Red fun. State. I'm really looking forward to that episode, actually. Yeah, Red State. We're gonna we can spend some time talking about that. I don't think we should talk too much about it, though. I think people should, if they haven't seen it, they yeah. need to go. Yeah, and we watch won't it. spoil anything. Like we'll gloss <laughs> on it, but uh... <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go watch it now because you know we might talk about it. Right there, you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's going to be a fun episode. I'm looking forward to talking about about Kevin mm. Smith. Uh, definitely a director who's had like. A big influence on me like as a person um so mike if uh if the people wanted to find you on social media where would they do that you can find me on twitter at medic five by five and you can find me on twitter at a thomas 1978 and uh that's it ladies and gentlemen we will see you next time mike say good night to everybody Good night, everybody. Later, y'all.